Thank you, team, for teaching us a wonderful new song. Let's go to all my Our gospel lesson today is found in Luke chapter 10, just four verses, 46 through 50, if you want to follow along. And I want to give a disclaimer that this message today, I'm specifically wanting to challenge those who consider themselves followers of Christ. If you consider yourself a follower and disciple of Christ, I had you in mind in preparing this. I was thinking of you. And for those of you who have not yet come to that place where you have decided to serve and follow Christ, I ask that you listen, that you open your heart and your mind, and that you hold us accountable. For those who say we are followers of Christ, please hold us accountable to make sure that we are living the gospel of Christ that we proclaim with our lips. Are we living it with our lives? Luke chapter 9, verses 46 through 50. Will you please stand for the reading of the gospel this morning? Hear the word of the Lord. An argument arose among them, the disciples, as to which of them was the greatest. But Jesus, knowing the reasoning of their hearts, took a child and put them by his side and said to them, Whoever receives this child in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives him who sent me. For he who is least among you all is the one who is great. John answered, Master, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to stop them because he did not follow with us. But Jesus said to him, Do not stop him, for the one who is not against you is for you. The Gospel of our Lord. Let us pray. May we come to a deeper understanding, Lord, of what it means to be a follower, a disciple of Jesus. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, the disciples just didn't get it. They still did not get it, what it meant to be a follower of Jesus. And it's really amazing that they still don't get it. They just don't. They don't understand what it means for Jesus to be the Messiah. They still think He's going to come in power and prestige and take over. And Jesus, even in the previous few verses of chapter, of chapter uh, 11, excuse me, of chapter 9, we see that Jesus is teaching them and has already had some important teachings. In verse 23 of the same chapter from which we just read, we see Jesus say, If anyone would come after Me, let them deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow Me. For whoever saved their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for my sake will save it. We then have this transfiguration where Jesus with Moses and Elijah appear on top of a mountain and James and Peter and John are there. They witness this. We see Jesus then heal a, a boy with an unclean spirit and Jesus is starting to get a little frustrated. Oh, faithless and twisted generation, how long am I to be with you and bear with you? Bring your son here and here. And then Jesus heals the boy. And, and then the verses just previous to what I just read, Jesus foretells his death. Let these words sink into your ears. The Son of Man is about to be delivered into the hands of men. Take up your cross. Deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. Go ahead and you lose your life. That's how you find it. See Jesus on the mountaintop with Moses and Elijah. He heals a demon-possessed boy. He says, 
Let your ears, open your ears and listen. The Son of Man is about to be delivered. And then the disciples respond in this way. Uh, so Jesus, who's, who's going to be the greatest? Who among us is going to be the greatest? I mean, we, we just want to know. They just didn't get it. They, they still didn't understand. They still thought it was about power and recognition. And if you hang out with Jesus, if you hang out with Messiah, you're going to get a place in a seat of honor and recognition. They still thought he was coming in power and glory. And still at this point, they're missing what Jesus is all about. And they miss what he just said and did. They just don't get it. And as I was preparing this message last week, a, a quote from a movie kept going through my mind, but I couldn't remember what the movie was. And, but it went over in my mind over and over again. It said, you just don't get it, do you? You don't. And I kept saying, what is that movie from? And it occurred to me, it's one of the greatest movies of all time. Excuse me. <clears throat> it came out in 1996, when maybe some of you are four or five years old, six years old. Eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve for some of you. I understand, but you were young. Austin Powers, International Man of Mystery. It's a quote from Dr. Evil. He's talking to his son, Scott, and he says, You just don't get it, do you? You don't. Now, I can't possibly show a clip from Austin Powers in chapel today. <clears throat> Scott, you just don't get it, do you? You don't. It's no hassle. But um, all I'm saying, they're gonna get a. I, I'm just which, which, knock knock. Who's there? Look, let me tell you a little story about a man named. Even before you start, that was a preemptive. Just know I have a whole bag of shh with your name on it. I would like to put a disclaimer in at this point. <clears throat> I did ask my consultants on whether I should show that clip, Dr. Massey. He said it would be fine. But that is the quote that kept going through my mind, even though I couldn't remember what movie it was for. You just don't get it, do you? you? You don't. And I think even in my own spiritual life, I can't help but think at times, I just don't get it. I don't understand. I do not fully understand what it means to be a disciple and follower of Christ. The disciples wanted to be the greatest. If the, if the Messiah was powerful, if Jesus was powerful, so would they. It's as if they were doing all the right things for all the, right, all the wrong reasons. Yes, they were caring for others. They were being a disciple of Jesus. They were hoping to learn to cast out spirits and maybe even be part of the healing. But, you know, they were doing all the right things for all the wrong reasons. May we never live in such a way. May we never live in such a way in the church. May the church never work or move and act in such a way doing all the right things for all the wrong reasons. Almost doing and serving and caring for others for the recognition we will receive. Almost caring for the least of these, if you will, because then we can, then we can say, hey, look, look what I have done. And that in itself is exploiting others. 
I won't sing in church on Sunday. I won't sing in chapel unless I have the lead, unless I have the solo. Unless I get the recognition. We all know I'm the best vocalist. Not me, of course. But we know people like me. I won't sing. I won't take part. I won't help out in the church. I won't help out here at school if I don't get the recognition that I deserve. That's kind of the spirit of the disciples at this point. So how will you respond when you don't get the solo, when you don't get that leadership position that you were so hoping for? I'm in the midst of coming to an understanding of something, and I I can't say this for sure. It is kind of a theological statement, and all you young budding theologians and all you older ones can correct me later, but I think I think that sometimes God wants us to experience disappointment. I think that sometimes God even wants us to experience failure. Now, I haven't done in-depth research or reading on that. I'm just, it's more from my own journey because I, as I look back on my own misunderstandings of what it means to be a disciple, as I look back and think, you know, I should have done that differently or I look back on the failures that come or I look back upon the situations that came my way and it didn't seem fair, they were some of the most defining moments in my spiritual journey. Some of the most defining moments. So when you experience failure, when you experience disappointment, when you don't get that lead in chapel, when you don't get the recognition and honor that you feel you deserve, will you still follow Him? Will you still be a disciple? See, we just don't get it, do we? So Jesus brings a child, places the child next to him. Whoever receives this child in my name receives me. And whoever receives me receives him who sent me. For he who is least among you all is the one who is great. Jesus is saying, you must care and love for those who have no voice. You must care and love for those and make sacrifices for those who have no power. So he brings a child. Certainly in the community of the day, no voice, not really respected. And Jesus says, you must be like this. You must be a voice for the voiceless. You must care for those in need. You must care for the outcasts. You must care for the least of these. Because that is what the kingdom of heaven, that is what the kingdom of God is about. And that is how my Father defines greatness. Not the positions of power, but caring for the least of these. The values of the kingdom of heaven are completely reversed from our world. It's not in receiving recognition and power and prestige. It's about being a servant and giving your life away in the same way that Christ did. Go ahead and lose your life. That is how you find it. So will you care for the least of these? Will you be a voice for those who have no voice? See, I think for many of us who are disciples and followers of Christ, we just... We just don't get that yet. We don't. We live in a way where we completely surrender everything to the Lord to care for others in need. So now you would think the disciples get it. After that illustration, after all that's happened in chapter 9 alone, and after all the time they've been with Him, all right, now the disciples get it. Now there's going to be a change. And then John says in verse 49, Master... We saw someone casting out demons in your name and we tried to stop it. 
because he does not follow with us. I mean, he's not, come on. He's not in the inner circle. So there was someone casting out evil, someone addressing evil of the day, whatever that evil may have been, casting it out, whatever that may have meant for what they witnessed, addressing evil of the day, fighting against evil of the day, and they stop it. All because he's not with us. I mean, he's doing it in your name, but, you know, uh, we're supposed to be doing that, and we tried, and they did try, and they couldn't do it, and it's almost like there's some jealousy going on here, so much jealousy that they prevent the work of Christ that others are doing. There was so much jealousy that they, they stopped so much jealousy that they were hindering the work of the gospel that others were doing. Have we been guilty of that? I won't support, encourage, or pray for those who get to do what I want to do. I won't pray for that church. That's a Nazarene church. And yeah, I know they say Jesus was a Nazarene and all that joke they make, but come on. I won't pray for the Baptists or the Assembly of God or the Catholics. I mean, we wouldn't do that. I mean, that's, you know, come on now. And to have attitudes like that and a spirit like that is not of God. That is not the heart and the spirit of a disciple of Christ. We support and encourage and lift up and not tear down to support encourage the work that the Assembly of God Church is doing or the Catholic Parish is doing or can I dare say even Gordon College is doing. Oh my goodness, what did I say there? That's just a little too extreme. Pray for the student body of Gordon College and all the great work that they're doing. Aren't we competitors? Fighting for Jesus on the basketball courts, in the fields. I've shared it already and I won't go into it again, but I've been guilty of this. I've been guilty as a pastor being frustrated and jealous of another church because they got the building and we didn't or because they're growing faster than I was, than our church was and wanted to make sure people didn't think that pastor was better than me because that church is growing and ours was just growing slowly and I've had this spirit. And meanwhile, I had been following Christ for many years. I had come here to Eastern Nazarene College. I had sat in many chapels. I had gone on to seminary. I was actually my doctoral work at the time, and there I was, pastoring a congregation and jealous of another church, and even at times, though not deliberately or maliciously, trying to stop what they were doing, that is certainly the spirit of my heart at the time, dismissing all that they're doing. You just don't get it, do you, Corey? You don't. You should be celebrating. You should be rejoicing that believers and followers of Christ are advancing God's kingdom in miraculous and powerful ways, even if I'm not using you in that way. I started preparing this message. I want to put another disclaimer in about ten days ago, and I think there's an illustration that I'd like to use, and I'm sure all of you have seen the Coney video, 2012, Coney 2012. If you haven't seen it in the last six or seven days, you must be a newborn child, because I think everyone... 85 million people have seen this video or heard about it on talk shows. And I think many of you know what it is, uh, Invisible Children, which has been a wonderful organization, and many of you have worked with them in the past already. They are not a human humanitarian agency. They are an advocacy 
agency. They are trying to raise, raise awareness to the horrific crimes of Joseph Coney. I wasn't aware of him until I watched the video. He is number one on the International Criminal Courts list. At least he was in early 2000, or 2002, 2003. I believe he's still here. He's abducted over 30,000 children for his army. Many of you aware of the atrocities of that. And as it said in the video, 99% of the planet do not know who he is, so the purpose of the video is to let everyone know who he is with the hopes that American foreign policy will then be forced to respond and do something to capture him, to bring him to justice, to have him arrested. I don't think for they're calling for him to go in and kill him. I think they're calling him to justice. At least that's my understanding of the one or two times I watched the video. With the belief, at least the founders of Invisible Children had, that if enough young people like you, or if the world responds and makes Coney popular, they will have to respond and arrest him and bring him to justice before December 31st, 2012. So I watched the video. I liked it. A few things I was like, wow, that's interesting. He's sharing with his five-year-old son what uh, Joseph Coney's about and how he kidnaps children. I don't know if that's a good bedtime story, but this father chose to, to share that with his son and... And then I saw a lot of other blogs and a lot of other comments about it and really learned there were some real important critiques, I think, of Coney 2012. I really do. I think there were some important things we should learn. I'm not a big fan of vandalism to go put posters up on buildings where we don't have permission to or anything like that, but making the name Coney known so that American foreign policy will respond. I think there's some real good in that, that that now we're aware, and I saw on The Daily Show with Jon Stewart, he had a clip of all these news commentators, and he said they were whining, and he was making light of it and showing all these clips from Anderson Cooper from almost every network. You know, we've talked about Coney in the past. We've, why doesn't anyone listen to us? You know, we've talked about Coney on CNN and MSNBC and all the networks. Why doesn't anyone listen to us? And that's true, they have. But now, 85 million hits. Almost every young person knows who he is. And I think there are things that we can learn from it. And hopefully, if they do catch Coney after... And this year, maybe in 2013, there can be another person that they try to make popular so that that individual too may be arrested. The movement has its shortcomings. It does. And I think the founders have already learned some things and are trying to adapt and adjust. But there's a lot of good things about it as well. But here's what troubled me. Reading blogs and official statements from other agencies and organizations that are also trying to help children. I, I couldn't believe what I was reading, how they were completely dismissing the organization altogether. Are there things that maybe they should, they should have done better? Yes. But maybe this movement, this awareness that has come up, maybe we should be critical in our thinking and help and support and say maybe we should do something a little differently and all work together to learn. How can we maintain this momentum to make sure it's just not popular on April 20th or 21st, whenever they're going to Coney the night or whatever it may be, but how can we keep this momentum going where young people respond? But yet so many seem to dismiss the agency and organization altogether. No church, no humanitarian agency, no advocacy agency. None of us are perfect. We need the voices of others to help us know how to respond and how to move forward and how to be the church of Jesus Christ or agencies that give voice to the children like the children of Uganda. But we shouldn't just completely dismiss. And I felt like that was happening at times. So that's a larger scale. What about on a local level? 
What about in your own heart, in your own life? What about in your own church? What about in your own family? Do you try to tear them down? Do you try to belittle? And maybe you don't say anything right to their face, but maybe among your friends or certain family members, you, you just dismiss. Jesus is saying there's no room for that for a disciple of Jesus Christ. That is not of God. Many of you have grown up in churches where you've experienced things that have been painful and you're still dealing with it and unpacking some of that. And I hope we, whether my office or your professors or staff, can journey with you to help you process and work through some of that. But make sure that you don't take that spirit into your church. Make sure that if you are going to give feedback, make sure that if you are going to give critiques, that it's coming from a place of wanting the advancement of the gospel of Jesus Christ and not for any self-interest whatsoever. Sometimes we just don't get it. Jesus calls us to live this life where we are completely surrendered to Him. Go ahead and lose your life. That's how you find it. It doesn't matter who gets the recognition and the honor. If, if someone's advancing God's kingdom, do all that you can do to help, support, and pray for. It doesn't matter who gets the recognition and honor. The advancement of God's kingdom is taking place. So in these four short verses, we see the disciples, they still just don't get it. And they would make mistakes further along the way, as you know. But I'd like to suggest to you as well that we see the grace of God in these four verses in amazing and powerful ways. We see the patience and mercy and grace of Jesus and the Father trying to open up the eyes and the hearts of the disciples. To say, having such a spirit, having such an attitude is not of me. Will you change the way that you're living? I know you're a disciple. I know you're a follower, but I want to make you aware of this situation. You're not seeing this in your heart and life. I want to open your mind and your hearts and your eyes to see this is not of me. I really like John Wesley's definition of sin. A willful transgression against a known law of God. A willful transgression against a known law of God. Remember, I just confessed to you a few moments ago, I had gone through seminary, I was pastoring, but I had a spirit that was one of competition. I had a spirit that was more interested in tearing down another church than helping support and pray for and lift them up. And by the grace of God being shed abroad in my life, my eyes and my heart and my mind were opened and I started to get it not by anything I did but just simply by the grace of God revealing it to me so I walked through a failure and a stumble and maybe even could it be hindered the work of Christ at times and through that stumble and through that fall I found the grace and mercy of Christ Jesus Will you be so bold to pray that the Lord opens your mind, your heart, your eyes, your ears, if there are ways that you have been living that are not of God? If it is a way that you are living that does not represent the love and mercy and grace of Jesus Christ, will you be so bold to not only pray that, but when you do and God reveals himself to you, will you deny yourself? Take up your cross. 
and follow him. You've been a follower. You've been a disciple. But will you now deny yourself? Full surrender. Full abandon. All my life is yours, Lord. Not just my career and my relationships, but my heart and my attitude and my spirit. May I be like this child. May I be a voice to the voiceless. May I care for the least of these, not wanting recognition or honor or praise, simply doing it for the love of Christ that has been shed abroad in my heart and life. Will you be that kind of disciple? And as I said at the beginning, for those of you who are not yet followers of Christ, hold us accountable. We ask you to. I ask you to. We want to make sure that we are modeling the love of Christ, the grace of Christ, and the mercy of Christ. So will you be that type of disciple? Let us pray. May we live our lives in a way, Lord, in the same way that Jesus lived his life. Completely surrendered to you. Giving his life for us. Now may we give our lives for others. Thank you for the grace of God that has been shed abroad in our hearts and our lives at conversion. When we accepted you as Jesus, as Christ and Lord of our life, thank you for that grace that has been shed abroad in our lives. And now, Lord, I pray for those students, those disciples, those followers of you that are in this congregation this morning to be so bold that you give them the grace and strength to pray that prayer. It says, take my life and let it be. Consecrated, Lord, to thee. May they be so bold to say, Lord, I don't need the recognition or power or honor. I just want to serve and follow you. I want to share the light and love of Christ to the least of these, to the voiceless, to live like a child of God. May we be so bold to pray that prayer, and may we be so bold to live in such a way. We pray these things now in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen and amen. Go in peace. You are dismissed. Have a good day.